Hey everybody, Dave Hagen here. If you've ever thought about starting a business, I think there's 13 things you should think about. We're going to talk about that today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Financial Wellness Podcast, TFWP. Got some fun stuff that we want to talk about today, but first, we're coming to you from Bakersfield, California, Topanga. California and Seattle, Washington. And I'm not going to tell you who's where. We'll let you figure that out or think about that or let that <laughs> stew a little bit. Oh, hey, look who's with us tonight. I heard a chuckle in the background. It's Brian Reed. It's a chuckle from the Pacific Northwest. I mean, no, that's where I am. Bakersfield. How are you doing, Dave? <laughs> I'm doing good. You? Doing well. Good, good. Brian's the original. Nick is not with us today. He's studying for that little quiz we call the bar exam. So we won't hear from him for a couple of months still, Brian. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, well, you know, we we need we need a break from the 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 young stud, right? <laughs> Here we go. Well, I want to talk about tips for starting a business. And think about this. I've had a business for 40 years. And I've had a couple of side businesses during that time as well. And when I look back over my career, I've probably advised thousands of businesses going through financial difficulty. And hey, I even acted as a a bankruptcy trustee for a while, closing out and selling assets of businesses. So um, I've had a lot of experience talking about these kinds of things. And I was recently asked to speak to a class of students over there at CSUN, that's California State University at Northridge, about tips for entrepreneurs. So I put together a list of things that I wish someone had told me back in the day, just when I was just getting going. And these are the kinds of things you will not necessarily find in a textbook. This stuff is gold. You can get a textbook anywhere, but you can only get this stuff on the TF. WP. <laughs> so Brian, you'd have businesses over the years too, right? Um, yeah, I've been involved in a, in a couple with uh, friends. Not as uh, not as deep as as you have been. Mine were smaller, but uh, I'm sure some of these tips will uh, carry over. So yeah. Well, maybe you got a few things to throw in at the end, huh? Sounds good. All right. So I've got these 13 tips and we're going to do this in two parts. Uh, today, we're going to do part one. Next week, obviously, part two. Uh, because we can't cover all of this in a 20, 25-minute podcast. So we're going to break it into two. So part one, number one, the number one thing that I think is important when you're starting a business, understand your motivation. Now, obviously, a guy from Southern California, a guy who lives near Hollywood, where the directors always say to the actors, let's talk about your motivation. But I think that's the most important thing that anyone needs to think about. What is your why? 
you need to understand very clearly and have that at the tip of your tongue. What is your why for starting this business? If it's money, just money, just plain old money, it's actually okay in my estimation. But maybe you want to change the world. Maybe you want some fame. Maybe you want a different lifestyle, one where you can call the shots instead of someone telling you what to do. Although I think I find I found over the years, if you're doing your own business, you probably work a lot harder than if you were just um, an employee working for someone else. But let's look at some examples. For Steve Jobs, it was to put a dent in the universe. Now think about that. Here's a fellow who had a lot of money at an early age, but his motivation was to put a dent in the universe. And his company, Apple, is now the number one capitalized company in the entire world. Largest company in the entire world. Think about that. All because he wanted to put a dent in the universe. For Elon Musk, you know I was going to mention Elon. It was to change the path of humanity through transportation and interplanetary travel. That's pretty lofty. Pretty big stuff. For Zuckerberg, it was apparently to get attention and meet girls. Hey, nothing wrong with that, you know? I've got a friend who used to work at the Department of Justice, and um, she was a, a leader of that department. At the end of the meeting, she'd say, let's go do justice. And that was their motivation. So knowing why you're going to be doing what you are doing is going to be one of the guiding lights of your business, and it will be the basis upon which you will make a lot of your decisions. Understand your motivation. Number two, write a business plan. Now, this used to be a complicated deal. You could hire people who would write you a business plan. It's a lot easier now. But an honest business plan should summarize what you want to do. It should identify your strengths and weaknesses. It should identify the market and the opportunities and challenges that you will face. And it should be written because when you write things down, it has a far better chance of getting done. It's kind of like when we talked about writing down goals periodically. When you write them, there's something of magic about it where they seem to have a, a higher chance of, of getting done. So you need to write a business plan. Even if you just sit down one day and sketch out three, four, five pages, you can always fill it out later. And it used to be that you were better off having somebody write this plan for you, but now there's software or you can have it written by someone on the, the internet. Um, go to growthink.com, masterplan.com. Um, you know, there's a place called free 10 minute business plan. Search that and it'll come up on Google. Heck, you can get someone on Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R, -R, to write you a business plan. I think Word even has a, a business template in it um, for free or a business plan template in it for free. Um, this is just stuff that falls into your lap. It's an outline and all you got to do is is fill in the blanks. Now, Dave, if I can uh, ask a question here. Sure, of course. Do you believe in the, the realistic business plan and the business plan that you present to the bank plan? And I'll explain. 
where there are people who know what the buzzwords are to try and get perhaps a SBA loan or something. And then there's a realistic approach of, okay, we don't have the numbers that, you know, in case we don't have the numbers that we're presenting to the bank, we believe these numbers could be true, but we also have to go to the other end and go, let's prepare for, you know, potentially a slower start than we are predicting. You know, do you do one and the other? Do you do one right in the middle? I've had friends in businesses where they've actually done both. They've gone the high end, the best possible outcome. They take that to the bank. Then they're planning for, you know, hope for the best plan for the worst. Yep. 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 I think you start with the realistic one uh, before you even get going. You start with that first. Um, You you put it together because it's primarily going to be a map for you. And then if you need to go to a bank, um, then you can always, you know, gloss it up and, and make it, you know, the pitch piece. Because when you're at a bank, it's really more of a, a pitch piece. So maybe some businesses are going to have both. You know, I, mean, I, I would hope that a new business isn't going to need too much financing because that puts pressure and, and stress on the whole thing. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, I think that you start with the one that you believe in your heart of hearts you can, you can pull off. And the one that's going to really resonate in your soul, um, you know, that will work for you. Answer the question. It did. Thank you. Good, good, good. You know, when, once you got that plan together, then I think you sit down with a friend or advisor and talk about it. You know, it could be an accountant. It could be a lawyer. It could be, it could be a friend, just a friend with some business experience, because I think there's a lot of value in showing that to somebody in presenting it to somebody and go, Hey, are there any holes in this? What are the pluses and minuses? So spend some time and and talk it over with a a friend or advisor. And also consider this business plan, a living document that'll, that'll change over time. You know, we've talked about this before and I said, look, if you get in an airplane or when a pilot gets in an airplane to fly from LA to New York during that, during that flight, the course is going to be corrected several times. You don't just set a course and walk away. As you see things change, weather, clouds, winds, whatever it is up there, you adjust the path. And I think the same is true with the, uh, with the business plan. Don't be afraid to change it. Don't be afraid to acknowledge that it really is kind of a living, breathing kind of document. But I think you think you got to have that. And, you know, I talked to so many people with businesses and it's like, what's your plan? We, uh, I don't know. We just opened up and started making this stuff and made money for a while. And then, and then the bottom fell out and it's like, well, what was your plan for that? Well, we really, we really didn't think about it too much because initially there was this rush of money coming in, you know? So have a business plan, a written business plan. It's not that hard to do anymore. Number three, and I think this is so important, fill a need. You got to fill a need. Don't just be another business. Somehow you got to build a better mousetrap because if you're just another business, chances are you're going to not do as well. You need a product that's better. You need a service that's better. You need to create a product or deliver a service in a unique way. You need to do something better. You need to fill that need. I'll give you an example. I recently, well, I've got a barbecue. Um, in the backyard and it uses uh, what liquid propane and it's in these metal canisters 
And it is such a pain in the neck when you're grilling and you run out of propane and the heat goes off. You got to put it in the back of the car and you got to run down to the gas station and they fill it up with this smelly stuff. And then you got to take it back. And it's, it's heavy. It's dirty. It strikes me as being dangerous to be driving around L.A. with a bomb in the backseat, basically. It's just a pain in the neck. And I didn't realize what I needed was a service that would come to the house and exchange those propane canisters. I mean, what a brilliant move. And the cost is the same because they're operating that business on the profit that would otherwise be had at the gas station or the profit that would be had by places like Home Depot and, and, and Lowe's in these places who would exchange you a, a cylinder of, of propane. So what a great deal. They'll be able to deliver it to the house, a set a couple propane canisters out. They replace them with filled canisters and it costs the same. They found a way to fill a need. And of course, now I see other people copying their business model, trying to jump on and compete with them. Um, and that's all well and good. But this Sync Propane, at least is the first company that I saw that was doing it. And I thought that was pretty good and a good example of filling a need. Number four, start small and test. You don't have to start real big. You don't need a whole floor of an office building. You don't need tons and tons of inventory and 25 employees. Start small and test your concept. You know, Apple started in a garage and some of those people were kids that lived down the street and they were assembling circuit boards. Um, Hewlett Packard started in a garage all up in Silicon Valley. You don't need a lot of overhead as an additional stressor when you're starting the business. So to the extent, the largest extent that you can, start small, keep the costs low, and then test. Listen, run a few samples or do a dry run, and then listen, get some feedback. You know, cooks love to eat their own soup, but it might not be that good. So run some samples, let some people test, Listen to what they have to say. You know, years ago, a friend of mine uh, wanted to start a business and he was all into creating software. And so he licensed a, um, a, a bird book. This is a true story, Brian. And he licensed his bird book and the, and the pictures in the bird book. And he decided that the images that were really important to have in the software that he was going to sell, the software of the book, were these pictures of bird poops because apparently you can tell a bird's health by looking at their poop i did not know this <laughs> this really made my life better you can look at a bird poop and know the health of the bird you never so, saw jurassic park no yeah well i saw it but you know <laughs> bird poop really so so he used up all of the available space um, of this product um, including these pictures of the bird poop. Now, this was back in the days when we had these what little three by three inch plastic discs. Remember those? This was quite a few quite a few years ago. That is and a long time ago. He wanted to test. He was doing the right thing. So he gave me a package like it came in the mail, and I opened up the box. Nice. 
It had the little um, wrapping things in it, you know, the little like peanuts that are made out of styrofoam, but they were made yep. out of some starch product. So you could put them in the water and they dissolved with a little card that says we're trying to be eco-friendly. Nice. Printed version of the book. Nice. But then he wanted you to load the software into your computer. And there was something like 22 of these three by three discs. And as I'm loading in all this information in these bird poop pictures, I finally said to him, this is too much work. I'm not going to load in this many discs. You got to find a way to do this differently. And, you know, I don't think he, he listened or he wasn't willing to change it. And the product hit the market and was a spectacular flop. It, people just didn't want to sit there loading in all these pictures. So run some samples, listen to the people that are going to be your prospective customers and then adapt the product. Now, someone who didn't do this, interestingly enough, um, even though I still think this is good advice, Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs did not do that. Steve Jobs would say, look, we can do this coolest thing. And I think it's great. And they said, well, don't you want to do market survey? And he goes, no, no, no. We're going to invent, invent stuff that's so incredible. We don't need to do market surveys. We're just going to put out these great products. And it worked for him, but it doesn't always work. Test, test. Don't quit your day job just yet. You know, do it as a business on the nights or the weekends. Keep it small and test, test, test. Number five, choose a proper entity. Now, don't let this get you hung up. You know, so many times I'll talk to people about starting a business and they'll say, oh, we, you know, there's so many things to think about. Is, is it a sole proprietorship or how do I do it or what do I do? Don't let that slow you down. It's like when I talk to people about um, investing, they go, well, I don't know how to do it. And I said, it's really easy. You walk into Schwab and you go, uh, I'd like to open an account, please. And they'll say, what kind of account? And you have about four or five choices. IRA, Roth IRA, you know, regular account, trading account, blah, blah, blah. It's not that complicated. You walk in and just do it. But you do need to think a little bit about choosing the proper entity. And, and really what you're going to be looking at is, is either a sole proprietorship, which is just opening an account in your name and maybe filing a DBA with the county. So you could be David Hagen or it could be um, David Hagen doing business's dog poop book. That's the first way. Second way, partnership. My least favorite way, partnership is two or more people coming together to do a business. And when you have a partnership, all of the general partners are jointly and severally liable for all of the debts of the partnership. And that's why I don't like it. Something goes south and everybody's personal assets get sucked into the hole. Um, Third is corporation, and there's flavors of corporations, LLCs, LLPs, what have you. But a corporation is really the third category that you're going to see. Pick one to determine which best for you. Do some research on the internet. Talk with a lawyer. Talk with an accountant. You know, consider the cost, complexity, and benefits of each. Don't get too hung up into it. What I usually tell people is start as a sole proprietorship. Open a bank account. Get a business license if it's required. Um, file a fictitious business name statement, which is like a dog poop book for David Hagen, and just start the business. Just keep it going. Just start it and keep it going. Don't get hung up in all this other stuff. Uh, start it that way. Unless the business is unusually risky, 
just start as a sole proprietor. If it's unusually risky, like you're manufacturing ladders where people fall off and sue, or if you're um, doing something like uh, transporting nuclear waste, well, you don't want to be doing that as a sole proprietor. There you'll form a corporation. But after you talk to your lawyer or accountant, you'll have a pretty good idea of what you need to do. Keep it simple and don't let it hang you up. Now, I want to talk about a couple of things that are financial considerations. And I don't want to talk about balance sheets and cash flow and all that kind of stuff because um, you know you're, you can talk to your accountant about it for hours at $500 per, and they'd be happy to talk to you about it for a very long period of time. But these are practical, pithy, practical kinds of things that you should do. Number six, have a separate bank account for your business. Even if you're a sole proprietor, have a separate bank account. So many times I see people just starting to run the business through their personal account. And it's hard to keep track of things where you've got income and, and dividends and other sources of income, unemployment, whatever it is. And you're trying to pull that apart from the income that comes in um, from the business. So even if you're a sole proprietor, set up a separate bank account. It makes it much easier to track income and expenses. And of course, you want to have um, different categories of, of income. If you're doing separate things or selling separate products, and of course, you want to have um, you know lists of expenses. That way you can analyze the income and expenses of the company. And that leads me to number seven, which are accounting issues. Um, that is, do the books at least monthly so you know your income and expenses. You got to do it every month. When we started my first business back in the day, I would come in on Saturdays. We didn't have all the software and we didn't want to pay for a bookkeeper because that was too cheap. And I would come in on Saturdays and like tally up the deposits and, and, and write the checks actually, and then send them out. Um, now it's a lot easier. Um, use QuickBooks, use any of those easy accounting um, products and set it up with a bookkeeper or an accountant, have them set it up. They'll save you so much time in terms of organizing your business. And, and you should be out there doing the business, not counting the beans. And if you have a good person that's doing this for you, setting it up in QuickBooks and on a monthly basis, inputting the data, a good person will also be able to give you their on-the-ground insights. They'll go, do you know you spend this much and this much on, um, you know, transportation or, or food or, you know, we're, we're buying $7,000 a month of glue or something like that. A good accountant will notice that and then bring that to your attention. And they'll also make sure that the QuickBooks matches what's going on at the bank so that all your books are, are actually um, accurately showing what's going on at the, at the bank. Now, Dave, in your experience, if you're advising someone who is starting up a business, if they're not willing to spend the money that's necessary to get the accountant, talk to an attorney, talk to a business uh, advisor, is that indicative of someone who maybe hasn't done the homework on the product and they're, they don't want to be told no, so they haven't done it? Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Brian. You know, the phrase penny wise and pound foolish comes to mind. And 
Um, you know, this is, uh, you know, coming from me who doesn't like to pay, um, you know, people to provide services. I always think that I could do it myself or figure it out myself um, if, I, if I have enough time and access to the internet. But I think that someone that's not willing to do that may have also skimped on consulting, talking, getting advice from people regarding the business or the products themselves. So I wouldn't say that's necessarily a uh, red flag that would prevent you from doing business. But on the other hand, um, that's indicative of, of you know, um, some issues that they may have. I remember as a kid, a guy uh, came over to our group and he says, geez, you know, um, there's times when I have to get my lawyer and my accountant to talk with me at the same time regarding um, different issues. And he says, I think I'm going through $1,000 an hour. And we're all going, $1,000 an hour. And he says, yeah, I hate to do that. On the other hand, they make me, they help me make thousands and thousands more. So he understood the importance of paying your professional. Don't, don't let them run a tab on you, obviously. But he understood the importance of getting the professionals together and having them give you some you know, thoughtful, um, consolidated kind of advice. So don't hesitate to, to talk to your professionals. Don't hesitate to use these people um, to set these these kind of things up. Well, that's about all the time that we have. We don't even have time to go to an email. We went through the first seven of, of 13 tips. We're going to finish those next week. So come back and hear the last bunch of tips. And I think I'll see you then too, right, Brian? I will be here for it. Excellent. This is Dave Hagen, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.